We've long had an eviction crisis and housing insecurity crisis, and so there's much that needs to be done, whether we're in a People are being forced out of their houses, that there are so many illegal evictions, there's illegal rent increases, and that there's this tension between what is home for a tenant and what is a financial asset for someone else. And if, in fact, in more moderate income society, bank branches are one per 5,000, but in South LA, it's one per 600,000, in East LA, one per 650, what are we doing? Welcome to Securing Justice a podcast series created by the California Center for Ethics and Policy, or CCEP, at Cal Poly Pomona and generously supported by California Humanities. This is the seventh episode in our series, which focuses on housing and security in California. My name is Brady Collins, Assistant Professor of Political Science at Cal Poly Pomona and Faculty Fellow with CCEP. I'm very excited to share with you another episode created by two CCEP student fellows, Octavio Cuevas and Victoria Torres. As I mentioned in past episodes, each year CCEP recruits a new group of student fellows whose coursework and research focuses on the year's theme. For Octavio and Victoria's episode on housing and security, they offer us a unique listening experience. It begins with their own meditations on the meaning of home and how housing access has shaped their lives. Then, they interview a friend and fellow student who has experienced homelessness. The student details their struggle and how it impacted their ability to learn and succeed academically. Unhoused students are a growing population in California. According to a November article written by Teresa Watanabe in the LA Times, More than 16,000 students at the University of California and California State University were on wait lists for housing this fall. As she reports, because of a housing shortage on and near college campuses, an increasing number of students are living in their cars or in cheap hotels. This episode brings us just one of these students' stories. We ask that if you like what you hear, if you care about these issues, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast app. This helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening. We are Octavio and Victoria, the host of today's episode. Welcome everyone to today's episode titled, Societal Deceptions of Attainable Basic Needs. This episode is part of a series titled, Securing Justice, a housing and security podcast by the California Centers for Ethics and Policy in the College of Letter Arts and Social Sciences at Cal Poly Pomona. Do you ever wonder how your life could be different if you lived in another home? A home foreign to the ones you've known growing up. And I mean deeply engage in idea. Just sit there and play with the thought of what your life would be if you lived in a different neighborhood even just a different zip code. Today we will engage in the art of storytelling while unraveling the challenges that housing insecurity places on members of society. We'll bring to the table the question of what are basic needs as well as barriers created by Western society in obtaining them.
We are Octavio and Victoria, the host of today's episode. Hi everyone, my name is Octavio. I identify as a Mexican-American male who uses el, he, his pronouns. Like my nationality, I also have a hyphenated last name, Cuevas Hernandez. I'm a proud son of immigrant parents who enjoys practicing Mexican heritage. I was born and raised in Pomona and I'm still a proud member of my community. I'm a first-generation American and also a first-generation college student graduating this spring 2021 from Cal Poly Pomona. What's up, everybody? I'm Victoria Torres. I use she, her, ella pronouns, and I am second-generation Mexican-American and a second-gen college student. To begin today's segment, let's ask ourselves, do we as community members have the bandwidth to engage in shifting perspectives at the benefit of enhancing our lens and view of the world? A shift in perspectives where we become aware of pain and trauma that coexist around us, all in an attempt to better understand the world outside our social constructive boundaries of comfort. Since an early age, my mind showed signs of interest in social behavior. It was a time where my imagination was often in control of my reality. It makes me smile to know as a child, I always had a home within my home. I could build a fort and transcend into another world. Altogether, in reality, I would daydream about the stories of what a person's life was outside of our social interaction. Growing up, I saw humble people living in poverty, romanticizing about the American dream, while living in an American society that was not promising due to systematic inequality. In early childhood, I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment with three older sisters and an older brother. We all slept on a queen-size mattress, and our home was in downtown Pomona, right between a liquor store and a vacant lot. Right across the street was a nightclub, which is now the Social Security office. I lived in an environment that attracted the nightlife, and during the day, there was a lot of traffic cruising along Mission Boulevard. Thinking about it now, I realize this is a heavy, polluted environment in all aspects possible. We also lived a few blocks from the police station and fire department. As toxic as I believe this environment can be, there's a nostalgic feeling about the sounds found in the environment in my childhood. It takes me back to a place where less was more, which is relaxing, when comparing it to my life experiences in early adulthood. Next, we will hear from Victoria as to what her life experiences have brought her. Victoria, what do you remember from your childhood? What elements are required for you to feel the essence of a home? Yeah, so some of my most memorable childhood memories were made at home with my family. I was raised in a three-generation household, which consisted of my maternal grandparents, my parents, my younger sister, and we always had cousins or other family members moving in and out of our house. So growing up, my house was filled with the sounds of my grandpa's record player and my grandmother talking on the phone or cracking jokes as she cooked, of my cousins, neighbors, and I running through the house and of the adults trying to wrangle all of us together. Um, there was really never a dull moment there. And my my parents moved into our home about 21 years ago, right after I was born. So they've been able to establish a strong community of neighbors that they've been able to rely on. We were also within a 20 mile radius of my dad's 11 siblings, my mom's brother and my aunt. So my parents were always able to depend on them to babysit my sister and I, to take us to and from school, or to attend school events when they were at work. And to answer your second question, I would argue that the essence of a home is your family and the community that you build within your neighborhood. And like you said, I've always had a home inside of my home. And to me, a home is made of people who care about you and support you and not just about like the physical building. 
So from my family and my community, I've had the, the opportunity to create countless unforgettable memories and have had access to so many valuable resources that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. Today we have a very special guest joining us and we will be hearing from them right now. They are a millennial who grew up in the Inland Valley Empire and they will be speaking on their experiences of housing insecurity while trying to obtain their degree. Yes, of course. Thank you, Victoria. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. Can you please begin by introducing yourself? I am uh, age 36, got a job, got a family, living in America through a pandemic. I want to begin by asking, have you ever experienced housing insecurity during your undergrad? Oh, yeah. That's why, to this day, I have a old truck that I won't get rid of because uh, at some point, that was my house. I was going to school in there, going on dates in there, eating there, showering in the morning. I remember when I was doing my master's program, I'm not, I'm not my undergraduate, but my master's program. I know the question says undergraduate, but um, I kind of jumped into the thing, you know, since I struggle so much doing community college, the good thing about getting your doctorate at community college, and the, the reason I said doctor is I spent so much time there, got kicked out twice, you learn to learn. It becomes easy. And and if you're working and you're learning, you kind of get into the groove. So I went straight into my master's. That's where I ended up homeless because you go from transitions, you know. I won't go into the details on how, how I came about, but um, that situation kind of also makes you reevaluate what it takes for a person to make it in this country, you know, to have a job, to go to school, to have a house over your roof. Because during that time, you know, I was still a professional. I still had to get up. I still had to get to work. But then imagine you don't got somewhere to come home to. It takes hours. At the end of the day, that experience made me appreciate things more and know the value of having a support system because during that time, my support system is, was crazy, crazy. It was it was someone where I would have never expected, you know, uh, from a person, from people who they themselves didn't have nothing again. But that humbles you and it makes you think like, oh, you know, you, you as a person can make it, give back to the community. And it, it, it even makes you look at our current situation about homelessness. I know this goes over undergraduates, but to be truthful, um, when I when I see this question and you make me reflect on a situation that a student can have, doesn't matter age. As a student, mm -hmm. how does this affect your personal goals? How does this affect your academic goals? Academically, it was a struggle. Computer, connecting to the internet, doing papers, and just mental health, too. Like, you're going through sit down and, and talk about case analysis about breaking down a company and make your group making a suggestion and this shit. when you got to worry about like i got a tuna can i got i got need i'm hungry i haven't ate all day i got out of work and where you gonna go to sleep before these people do and if you're living off your car you live in some hood places man that even for you to live in a certain area you got i had to blend in i had to know my community go out there they know what's up though. so that way i don't get some some crazy dude knocking on my car that you know i'm supposed to what be a student during the day and at night be this hood dude living off a car and f with your 
and I have no control over that. You know, that's that's uh, done through political economy and, and, you know, generations of a social system being in place. And I'm just being born into it and going through it. Having faced these struggles, what do you hope for the future? Hoping that things change too, that there's affordable programs, you know, that uh, this gentrification gets eliminated. Like it just should be like housing should be like this because that's what the population wants, not 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 a certain percentage of people that, you know, have, and, and I say privileges because um, everyone should be able, there's enough land here in the United States for everyone to have a house in acres. Why can't we all got to do jobs? We all got to go to school. And, and like I said, these insecurities that are created, it's based on experience, you know? And I, and I didn't think about mine until you asked these questions. Do you think these situations are ideal to go alone, uh, alone in the process, or what it's what's needed? Never. You gotta have someone to have your back. People giving you that moral support to go to school. From from your folks letting you like come back home, or even doing laundry. Because even though I wasn't going home, I went and did laundry. You know, because sometimes, you know, even being homeless and you 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 need help. But and not just homeless, just getting through getting through life through you being finishing school especially with school because sometimes believe it or not just you going to class and and talking to a professor and, and communicating and hearing their struggles and be like oh you went through that too getting through places for some people cost a lot and it helps you appreciate things to the point where you want to see change like if i went through that now that i have a kid i never would want her to go through that why but now it's up to the generation for us to teach my my daughter financial literacy, saving, me having safe for her, things like that. And, and just that needs to come from within, from personal, because you shouldn't allow the inequalities that exist out there in this world to block you from doing these things. It is a struggle. It's gonna mess with a lot of people you know, some people won't do it. That's why you see a lot of homeless. That's why the dropout rate of college, it's not, I don't want to say the system is not intended for it to work to us because that's crazy. But then you hear the fucking college scandals and, and the inequality that exists, especially now. I don't know what social media now is probably coming out of like none of this stuff's new that we should, should, should do something to change it. And I don't know what, what can a common person that that is themselves trying to struggle to get through the day make to help? What would you say you learned most from this experience, looking back at it now? You know, I'm sorry if I scattered through, through the whole interview because, um, you know, these are just thoughts that I hadn't been, I hadn't thought in, in a while. But I, you know, you asking me these things, questions, it it even, it even made me revisit like my experience I, I no one has asked me this question these questions before it's a thing that exists but not a lot of people talk about Th these questions you pose are very they're deep i never thought about these questions i you know what i would like to see the final product i, I you know our, our discussion it made me think about certain things i never thought about well, Victoria and I really value your honesty. I really want to tell you that a lot of what you said needed to be heard. So I really want to thank you for keeping it real. 
As we reflect on the experiences of housing insecurity that we've heard so far, we can make a note that people often experience cycles of distress. This may be due to reoccurring events of essential needs being threatened from a loss of stability. So having a support system plays a critical role in one's self-preservation. I found this quote in Evicted written by Matthew Desmond, where he really captures the experiences of houseless individuals. And he writes that the time and emotional energy that they spend making rent, delaying evictions, or finding another place to live when homeless could be spent on things that enrich their lives. And I feel like this quote perfectly describes the experiences of houseless college students because they have to decide whether to prioritize their own livelihood or their academic careers. So to kind of wrap this episode up, Octavia and I have gathered that one major issue that prevents houseless college students from contacting resource centers is a lack of awareness. So we encourage you to educate yourself on campus resources and share about them on your social media accounts, in your class group chats, and to any students that may be in need. Another way to support your houseless peers is to advocate and demand redistribution of funds from campus police towards long-term housing programs, mental health resources, and food pantries on your campus. So listening to this podcast can be your first step towards taking action, but please do not make it your last. We are grateful that our interviewee was willing to share his story with us and with all of you listening. And we hope that their journey as a houseless student will encourage you to take action on your college campus. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit calhum.org for more. And once again, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast app. This helps others find the show. Thanks for listening.